Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Hollywood Week, The Review. My name is Keenan Culler, and I am joined once again by the heart of Chicago, the almost doctor, and the guy who doesn't want to kick some ass, he wants to cure some ass. It's <laughs> Kaysen Culler. Kaysen, are you ready to Scooby-Doo this crap? Oh man, I am ready, Keenan. I'm ready like Doctor Strange was. I have seen this movie twice now, so I feel like I have been able to really collect my thoughts on it, which I don't think, uh, you know, I always get the chance to do. So I'm hyped. Mason, if I was Randy Jackson right now in 2004, sitting behind the table with Paula Abdul and Simon Cowell, you know what I'd be saying right <laughs> now, right? I know what you'd be saying, Keenan. Give it to me. We got a hot one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't oh, wait, gosh. dude. This is it. It's been a long time coming. Spider-Man. Really Spider-Man No Way Home. Tonight's the night we are breaking this thing down. We are discussing, reviewing, spoiling this thing. So uh listeners beware. We obviously will warn you as we always do. But uh man, oh man, I am excited. We got a lot to talk about. We do. It's a big movie, Keenan, over two and a half hours. Can you believe it? Jason, you just told me before we started recording, you feel like you're going to have to reel me in on this one because I'm coming <laughs> in so hot, dude. I'm coming in so fired up. You got to bring me back down to earth a little bit. So, uh, please yeah, I do. Feel I mean, free, even feel free. like I think you'd probably agree when we first called each other after we saw it, my response when I was telling you about it was a little bit more restrained, I feel like, than, <laughs> than your immediate reaction out of the theater. <laughs> Kaysen, it's just a joyful experience, man, for a number of reasons that we're going to go over. Um, and, you know, I, I'm the same guy who was hyped out of his mind when he walked out of Black Widow. So take that, with, <laughs> take it for what you will. But uh, I, I think the other really fun thing we're going to do tonight is obviously rank this movie um, with our definitive MCU ranking list. It's going to be fun. We have not talked about this, where we're no. going to put this movie uh, so we have no idea, and it's it should be a interesting uh, an interesting decision. It should be very interesting. I am excited to hear what you're thinking, <laughs> Payson. I also just saw today Spider Man No Way Home is now the number two domestic opening in box office history in film history. Wait, number two. Number two. Initially, they said it was number three. And then today, the final tally came in $260 million opening weekend. Oh my gosh. So it defeated Infinity War, right? It defeated Infinity War. It is only behind Avengers Endgame. uh, That is incredible. I mean, that's truly unbelievable. Especially, dude, considering just the time period we're in. Like, there's never been a time, I think, when people are less likely to go to the theaters. I mean, obviously say whatever you want about the pandemic or whatever, like everyone has to acknowledge it's impressive. This movie made that much money in a time when clearly a lot of people are not going. So that's wild. Case in real I guess people are willing to go despite what's going on. So pretty crazy. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to touch on it. Um, Very interesting. We just saw West side story come out last week and uh, it did not do well. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but this is a Spielberg movie based on an all-time classic musical. Um, Lots of awards buzz. Didn't it make like $10 million opening weekend? Yeah, I mean, around there. $10, $11, $12 million. Low numbers, dude. Low numbers. For a guy like Spielberg, for a property like West Side Story, I mean, it, it... 
it really surprised me. I shouldn't say really surprised me, but it definitely surprised me. And then you have this movie come in the following weekend (laughs) and it made $260 million. And I don't think that's surprising. This is an MCU event movie, a team up movie with three generations of Spider-Man lore kind of all coming together. You know what I mean? It's not surprising this thing dominated, but I think it furthers that divide between big tentpole movies dominating at the movie theaters and then smaller, lower budget movies that just cannot find an audience. Yeah. And do you think the pandemic even kind of further accentuates that a little bit as far as like maybe more people would have gone to see West Side Story just for fun, but then Spider-Man kind of has that pull factor of like, you have to go see this. You know what I mean? Like you don't have a choice. Kind of yeah, situation. dude. I mean, part of it is demographic for sure. Obviously a musical something. I mean, we're specifically talking about West Side Story, but you even look at movies like, uh, dude, even our boy Del Toro, Nightmare Alley. Uh, I mean, this thing opened to like $3 million. Yeah. Yeah, not great. It's crazy. It's just like the older the demographic, the less likely they're going to go to the theater because number one, COVID. Number two, they're so used to streaming at this point. It's just not worth it to them, you know? So that's actually really true. Maybe that maybe the target audience of West Side Story is more like susceptible to pandemic fear, (laughs) you know? So maybe that's true. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how Keanu does next week. Box office. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. It's just crazy, dude. Like Disney just continues to keep the box office or keep the uh, movie theater experience like going, you know? And I, again, that's a larger discussion that we can have a different time, but uh, I'm so happy for this movie, just, just bringing in the money. And I know the movie theaters needed it. It's been a rough two years, you know? Yeah, it has. So anyway, it was a good one to end the year with. Hey, the funny thing is too, when we did our box office prediction game, which we're going to give the full wrap up to our box office prediction game, uh, in the coming weeks, but (laughs) we both said like 105 million or 110 million opening week. Yeah. We might've lowballed it a little bit. Our credibility is a shot. (laughs) Hey, it's not our fault though. You said the final number was 260. $260 $260 million. The previous, uh, this year in 2021. Oh, well, here's, I mean, there's so many numbers we can throw around. Um, this movie opening weekend made more money domestically than any other movie did in its total run of the box office. Wow. So Shang-Chi, for example, is number two in the domestic box office. Okay. It made, I want to say, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like 227, $227 million total at the box wow, office. Oh, dude. Oh my gosh. Um I think people are ready, dude. I think this was a movie that was long anticipated and it's like the holiday season's here and I think people are so tired of uh, you know, not everybody, but like this was the comeback movie. Like, you yeah. know, I've maybe been a little timid to go out to the theater. This is the movie I'm going to see. You can't stream this, you can't rent this. Everybody's talking about it. Let's go. Yeah, and you just can't get the same experience anywhere else, right? Like this is a theater no. movie if there has ever been one. <laughs> Congratulations, Spider-Man No Way Home. Kaysen, this is the Hollywood Week podcast. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram, Hollywood underscore week. We got the Facebook group. That's the bread and the butter. That's the Andrew and the Toby. It is the real deal. Kaysen, we don't have time to hype the Facebook group. Let's dive right in. What do you think? Let's dive in. Let's do it. I'm ready. Oh, wait. Hey, before we give our thoughts, Kaysen, we do have to mention (laughs) our incredible 
incredible prediction game that we dropped on the Facebook page. This was a fun time, dude. We dropped 20 questions to our uh, Facebook group and whoever got the most right wins the first ever Hollywood Week t-shirt, which I will be sending out in the mail. Now I have the prototype. I have the prototype (laughs) t-shirt. I'm trying to improve on it. I'm tinkering away, dude, like Doc Ock in the lab. Um, (laughs) And we're here to announce the winner. Are you ready? I'm ready. You got the name? Case and the winner of our 20 question Spider-Man No Way Home prediction game is our boy out in California, Tyler Penn. Woo. All right, Tyler. Way to go. Tyler, congratulations, dude. You got 15 out of the 20 questions, correct? Case and let's run down the questions real quick. Um, well, I don't want to give the answers that? yet. <laughs> oh no, we're not going to give the answer. Should, should we wait till the spoiler section to run down the questions or should we? Do yeah, that? let's wait till the spoiler section. Then okay, we can but anyway, the answers with the question. Tyler Penn, congratulations, man. The t-shirt is coming. And Tyler Penn also wrote in with his thoughts, his spoiler-free thoughts on Spider-Man No Way Home. I am going to read that first um, just to give him some love before we dive into our spoiler-free thoughts. Sound good? Uh, that sounds great to me. Tyler Penn said five out of five stars. Partway through my second viewing, a guy loudly proclaimed that this movie was more of a soap opera than a superhero movie. <laughs> While I don't completely agree, I do agree that this movie tugged at the heartstrings. Carrying over 20 years of emotional weight, this movie is a beautiful tribute to the various iterations of Spider-Man that our generation has grown up with. However, in all the references and shock, the movie still tells a coherent story of a child accepting the power that comes with responsibility, the core of our webbed hero. Amidst the cathartic tears, the movie also feels like the beginning, paving a path forward for Spider-Man and the MCU as a whole. I can't wait to see what they do next. Wow. Well said, (laughs) Tyler. I think we should just wrap it up there. I think that's going to be a lot better than uh, anything we're about to say. So That was beautifully said. Kaysen, let's dive in. Tyler, thank you. Kaysen, spoiler-free thoughts. As we always do, younger brother, you go first. Spider-Man No Way Home. Hype level going in (laughs) and (laughs) thoughts leaving the theater, whether you want to talk about the first time or the second time. What's up, dude? Yeah, man. Uh, going in, obviously, I assume both of us were just out of our minds hype for this. I mean, we've been waiting for so long and there have just been so many like rumors and discussions and predictions about crazy cameos that were going to be in this movie. Big surprises, right? Crazy surprises, twists and turns. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, and I just have loved the Marvel MCU Spider-Man movies thus far. Like, I'm a very mediocre fan of the Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield ones. I would say like low, low tier fan level of those movies. But I love Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I love the MCU. And uh, I think Spider-Man Homecoming is one of the best movies in the MCU. So I was really excited to see how they were going to follow up the story. And I would say relatively excited about all of the crossover stuff happening, even though that wasn't the biggest draw for me. Uh, coming out of the theater, I was incredibly happy with how this movie turned out. I feel like they did a fantastic job balancing the weight of having to do all this crazy crossover stuff with the villains coming in, um, just having a lot of outside influences getting in the way potentially of what could have just been a tight Tom Holland story. 
But I think they did a great job of balancing that with really doing a ton of character work for Tom Holland and making the movie ultimately about his journey, kind of like Tyler said. And um, I just found it very emotionally satisfying. It had all of the classic MCU humor. I was laughing out loud multiple times. But then at the same time, it went to some dark places. And I would say a lot darker than a lot of Marvel movies are usually willing to go. So for that reason, I thought it did feel a little bit more Spider-Man, a little bit more um, emotionally resonant than some of the movies. And then, of course, there were many moments in the theater when my audience was audibly hyped. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, it's just impossible to replicate that. Obviously I haven't had an experience like that since Endgame, And this was just a great reminder of why movies can be so, so fun to experience. Case. And that was beautifully said. Thank you. <laughs> Here's my thoughts, dude. Let me, yeah, let me put it like this. Every Spider-Man, uh, generation. Okay. We always get, I should even say every Spider-Man movie. If I think about it, we get some kind of scene where Spider-Man is using his webs to hold it all together. Whether it's <laughs> Tobey Maguire trying to stop the train, right? With the webs, uh -huh. doing everything in his power. Whether it's Tom Holland in Homecoming on the ship, trying to piece it back together using all of his strength, all of his webs. Yep. I think that's a great metaphor for the plot of this movie. It <laughs> okay. is barely, barely hanging on, dude. It is, it is, it is so like almost collapsing, right? But they're, they're doing everything they can to keep it together. Okay. Yep. Uh, that's my, I'm, I'm starting off with the negative and we're going to get into that with spoilers. Sure. Uh, but Kaysen, this is the type of movie you don't overthink it. You're on the <laughs> ride, dude. Put on the seatbelt, strap in, let's go. This is an event movie, like we said, not since Avengers Endgame have we seen something on this level. So many crowd-pleasing moments I can't wait to talk about. My theater was alive. They were hyped. <laughs> there were cheers and cries and claps. It was beautiful, Kazen. I yep. think the other thing that this movie does so well, despite all of the multiverse stuff and the uh, you know villains we've seen from the trailer kind of crossing over and stuff, this movie never lost sight of the heart of Tom Holland being the heart of the movie. You know what yeah, I mean? He totally. was always the focal point. He was never buried in his own movie. He was always the heart of the movie. And man, oh man, I can't wait to talk about the performance that Tom Holland delivered in this movie. It also, to me, despite everything going on and despite some of the inconsistencies in the plot that I mentioned earlier, it's like this felt like a streamlined experience. It really felt like they cut. I, I know we might disagree a little from hearing some of your thoughts uh, on the phone about maybe the middle section of this movie, but to me, this never, this never dragged. This was never boring. I was always engaged, and it really felt like the type of thing where all of the fat was cut out, and this was just pure fun. Everything happening. It was always easy to follow. It was always easy to understand what the characters' motivations and goals were. And it just delivered consistently. This is also the type of movie where, you know, when you have a movie where audiences are expecting big moments, big reveals, big characters, like cameos and stuff, every single one, dude, hit. They knew how to build it up 
they knew how to create that anticipation. I compared it to like an end game when we see the portals opening up and we hear on your left, right? And we get that moment as the audience to be like, oh yes, like here we go. (laughs) And I felt like this movie delivered just like that in spades, dude. Every big moment hit and I, I, I couldn't commend them enough. Like nothing fell flat to me. Everything was like perfect. That's exactly how I would have done it. Yeah, I, th- I think that was a great description. I mean, I I totally agree with pretty much all of that. I think I, I agree with the plot being held together as strong as they possibly could with as many webs as they had. Um, <laughs> and I, I think for the most part, it works. Like, I agree. You can't overthink it too much. My biggest problems with this movie just have to do with a little bit of like the things that were noticeable to me while watching it that I wasn't really satisfied either with the explanation for, or felt like certain characters or certain villains just weren't really contributing in the way that they should have been. Uh, but I do completely agree that the movie zipped by, I mean, for being so long, it both times I saw it, it felt like it started and then I was gripped the entire time and then it ended and I never felt like it was dragging. I know like this is a horrible, maybe this isn't a horrible comparison, but like we always like to trash on Man of Steel. I guess what I'm talking about like story wise, (laughs) okay, you look at a movie like Man of Steel and it's so convoluted and twisted around its own like narrative and just like what is even happening now. It just feels like a long laborious like uh, or even like the Transformers movies, you know, where it's like what is even the plot? It's so complicated and like overly complicated. This has a lot going on, but it's like so easy to follow again. And it's just, it's always all about uh, Tom Holland. And so I just think they did a great job not overcomplicating something that could have been very, very complicated. Uh, Yeah, definitely. I mean, they did miss an opportunity. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, I was just going to say, and with that kind of comes maybe some of the plot complaints where it's like, Maybe it's a little bit too much like, hey, don't really worry about how some of this stuff is happening. Like it just is happening. Get on board. But yeah, I agree. What, what were you going to say, dude? Uh, no, I was going to make a dumb Man of Steel joke. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Carry Sorry, on. Sorry, I ruined your moment, man. No, I ruined that's it. that's okay. That's okay. We can trash it. We can have a whole podcast about how terrible that movie is. <laughs> oh, man. Jason, big, mo- big moments. Love this movie. Cannot wait to uh, talk spoilers because this is the type of movie we got to talk spoilers. But highly recommend um, anything else we should say before. I mean, at this point, dude, if you haven't seen this, like, just go see I, it. I can't believe it. Don't, just go see go it. Go see it and then come listen to us talk about the plot. <laughs> anything else you got before we put our bathing suits on? No, I think we're ready. I think we're ready. Let's Case do and let's do it. We're diving into the spoiler pool. Here we go. Where do, where should we start, dude? What do you want to talk about? Should first? we start with the prediction game or should we do that at the end? Hey, let's let's do that. At, let's save that for the end. Okay, cool. In that case, okay, yeah, we can just dive in. Case and here's what I want to do. I think we should start off this movie just because this is one of the big selling points of this movie. Sometimes we talk about plot and story first. Sometimes we talk about characters first. I think tonight I want to start off by talking about these characters. We can talk about the surprise characters, the big reveals, what we thought of these performances, um, and kind of take it from there. Case and does that sound good? That sounds great to me. Let's start with the man himself, dude, Tom Holland. As I alluded to earlier, this guy 
came to play. I I love the idea that Tom Holland came into this movie closing out his Spider-Man trilogy knowing, right, that he was in a movie where there was so much to overshadow him. Yeah, totally. Some of it's the writing, dude. Some of it's the writing giving him that material to work with. But man, oh man, his performance in this movie, I cannot say enough about how great he was. I would go as far as to say this, dude. This is my first going out on a limb comment of the night, okay? Yeah. Tom Holland's performance in Spider-Man No Way Home is the single best MCU performance I've ever seen. Wow. All right. That is a pretty intense statement, dude. I definitely don't know if I would agree with that, but I appreciate your conviction. (laughs) I I, thought about it. I've actually pondered this, man. I've thought of the great ones and there are some great ones, dude. There's some great ones, but I, I, I can't say enough. I want to turn it over to you. What did you think of Tom Holland in this movie? Uh, I thought he was fantastic. I mean, yeah, I, Obviously, even if I don't agree with that statement, I still thought it was an incredibly powerful performance. And I love the fact that even after three movies and being caught between a Disney Sony power struggle and having other characters from previous franchises get shoved into his own movie, going through all this crap and not to mention all the other crap he's been cast in in the meantime, (laughs) this dude is not phoning it in. He's not coming to this billion-dollar movie, you know, just being like, all right, I'm going to put on the costume and get my paycheck. He's like, I am going to deliver an incredible dramatic performance even when I'm surrounded by an octopus dude and a green elf. So, I mean, I, I really appreciated that, and I think... The writing was amazing. The character arc was amazing. We can get more into the plot later, but I love the way that for him, this really was the end of his origin story. Like this entire trilogy in the MCU has all just been leading up to him finally learning the lesson of how to take responsibility for his actions and what being a superhero and being Spider-Man really means. And uh, the consequences for him in this movie are enormous and i would say some of the biggest consequences for any character ever in the mcu um of course whether or not they stick to that commitment we'll see but for now it's amazing case in spider-man is all about loss right and what is he willing to lose and how much can he lose and still go on and i feel like tom holland's character has not really lost yet in the mcu until this movie he lost tony Right. And I, so that's something there there's lost there. It's not that he's completely uh, clean, but this movie put him through the ringer in a way that I was not expecting. Yeah. We obviously get the death of Aunt May. Very, very powerful, powerful scene, which we're going to talk about later. Incredible scene, dude. His acting in this scene was on another level. If you <laughs> yeah. think him getting dusted and telling Mr. Stark, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. I mean, it was like that times 50. Yeah. Not to mention, now I guess we're just talking about the scene a little bit, but not to mention you bring in the Michael Giacchino music, dude. Oh man, so beautiful. Forget about it. But dude, Tom Holland in this movie has to go back and forth between being that boyish, innocent, charming guy that we know from the previous films, but also having an edge to him, seeing what it's like to lose, being aggressive. Will he cross that line? You know what I mean? Like the end of the movie, he's not pulling his punches anymore. And to see him go to that place, that dark place, 
it was so believable, dude. Because I think a lot of times you can look at his Spider-Man as kind of being like, which is by by you know death by how the character's written in the MCU. He's very wide-eyed, innocent, and almost a little like unrealistic in his kind of boyish goofiness, like naivety, like naivety. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And this movie did such a great job of balancing those two things. We still get that Tom Holland. We still get that Peter Parker. But it's like here's reality calling. You know what I mean? And it's like he he sold those scenes so well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the stakes are just so high for him in this. And I love the whole arc. I mean, like the the first half of this movie is really kind of a more traditional fun, like high school Peter Parker, more of that stuff set up. He doesn't get into college. Oh, no. But then, I mean, really, once Aunt May dies and then from that point on, like, I love how that really makes him realize how serious the consequences are of some of these actions that he's taking and what the cost is. And then in the end, that like translates to him being willing to make an even bigger sacrifice to protect other people. And he realizes that like sometimes he has to sacrifice things for himself in order to protect other people. And it, it was even like reiterated in the final scene when he goes and sees MJ, right? And realizes like he's basically about to undo everything. And then he realizes that he's almost being selfish in a way by, by telling her reality because he can keep her safer and, you know, kind of let her go on to do her own thing, live her own life by not telling her. And I thought that was like a really cool character moment for him. Dude, the, the bandaid on her forehead and he said, does it hurt? And she said, it doesn't really hurt anymore. Yeah. And it's just like some of the dialogue in this movie is fantastic. I mean, especially for an MCU movie, just really great stuff. Um, yeah, man, I, I I loved it. I mean, you think how like the the entire pull of Peter Parker is like he wants to be a normal kid, but he also wants to be a superhero. And this movie forced him to choose. And in the end, he chose to be Spider-Man. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. it cost him everything. Yeah, dude. And I really feel like at the end of this movie, he is a different character. And like, I think that's so rare, especially in these movies. But, like, you can totally see the transformation. Like, going forward, if we see him in more movies, I feel like he will act different. Like, now he is an adult. He's more mature. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a darker edge. Like, he carries those things with him. And I think that's cool. I like, like, motion in a character's personality. And, you know, it's cool. 100%. Yeah. So, Tom Holland, like I said, cannot rave about this performance enough. Kaysen, let's move on. Let's talk about Zendaya. What did you Zendaya. think of Zendaya? Zendaya in this movie to me was a big step up from the previous two movies. Homecoming, she was almost non-existent, like just kind of a quirky, weird little side character. Yeah. Far from home, I love the transition of seeing her go from that kind of weirdo to like still a weirdo, but a lot <laughs> more open. And, you know, yeah. like just seeing that relationship develop, that's one of the highlights of Far From Home for me is just kind of seeing her put her guard down and kind of be like, okay, I am a real person. And yeah. then this movie, dude, I really loved her character of MJ. I thought she was so likable, charming, sympathetic. And like, she was still weird. It's not like she abandoned that side of her character, but just way more of like a, I don't know, dude, I just felt so much for her. And I felt like, I believed her in Tom Holland. I believed that she was so in love with him. I really did. 
Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I think that um, she's had a really cool trajectory over this trilogy. Like you said, I think in the first two, the reason that she acted so weird, I think, is because we were seeing her a lot from an outside perspective and she was being a little bit more aloof and standoffish and like Tom Holland didn't really know her that well yet, even in Far From Home. Like that's when he was first kind of going after her, right? And they ended up getting together. And I think it's cool that in this movie, like you said, she is still the same character, but now she's just opening up to the audience because she's also opening up to Tom Holland. <laughs> and it's like, we're kind of seeing everything from his perspective and that's what people rotate around him. Um, but yeah, she was great in this movie. I mean, I loved how integral of a role she played to even the action that was happening. I love how they gave her a lot of things to do in the movie. Um, and I agree, like they made her super like real of a character. Like you felt so bad at the end uh, when Tom Holland's telling her that she's going to forget him, like, again, that performance was amazing. I felt like it was so powerful when she was saying, like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like, you know, can't we come up with a plan? Isn't there anything else we can do? Like, I was getting pretty and, uh, wrecked by that scene. I'm not going to lie. Was, dude, it was so it was so good, man. So good. And the fact that she and, – and just the line of dialogue where she's like, you have to come and find me and tell me. Because if you don't, she's like, I'll just figure it out again like I already yes. did. Yes. And it was just such a great scene, such a great scene. So Zendaya definitely delivered. I've always been a little like on the fence with her, like never really saw the appeal that everyone else seems to, but this movie kind of made me a believer where I'm like, I, I get it now. Yeah, dude, get hyped for Dune too. <laughs> oh my gosh, Johnny. dude. <laughs> Kason, they're brutal. <laughs> that was my job. I had to do a oh, Josh Brolin in there, dude. They're Keenan, brutal. Whose chemistry is going to be more on fire, Holland and her or Chalamet and her? <laughs> Ooh, it's dude, it's tough, man. Because Holland, you got that, like we said, the, that like charming, like kind of dialogue and stuff. With with friggin' Chalamet, he just looks at you and is like Zendaya. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking very so, hard about this. Yeah, I, I hope I mean, that uh, it's going to be tough for her to. Uh, well, never mind. <laughs> I was. Peter, Go ahead. Peter Parker's like, hey, uh, so uh, maybe we can go and go to the movies and kiss and uh, maybe I'll hold your hand. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet's like, I'm, I'm going to kiss you now. And you're going to you be wanna feeling heavy emotions. Say, you want to ride my sandworm? <laughs> I guess that's not <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean it the way that it came out. <laughs> Uh, I was I was initially going to say I hope there's no like behind the scenes drama with her, you know, having to film this movie with Chalamet while she's trying to date Tom Holland. It's going to be Dude, tough. Well, what I'm saying is they got to bring over Chalamet and be Harry Osborn, man. Come on. They got the connection there. Oh, my God. I know, but I'm talking in real life. <laughs> you know, she's dating to Holland oh, in real life. Of course. Dude, of course, man. I'm I'm, I'm a subscriber to a teen bop. I know what's yeah. going on. <laughs> what a power couple. Jason, let's talk about Jacob Batalon. I think I said okay. his name right. It's a sick uh, last name. As yeah, Ned. As his, the man in the chair, dude, Ned. What did you think of Ned in this movie? Mini Doctor Strange. How are you feeling about Ned? I loved it. I think that he uh, is, you know, he has like very slow character development over this trilogy, which I think is fine. <laughs> like, seriously, because that's just kind of who his character is. But I appreciate the fact that they don't totally just make him a one note side character. I really did like all the magic stuff he was getting into. 
Um, I liked, you know, the emotional scenes he had with Tom Holland. He was, I will say, a little bit of a third wheel in this movie, but I feel like they mitigated that as much as possible and really, like, did try and show you how he was close friends with both of them, Holland and Zendaya. Um, And so I think for that reason, the emotion still worked, even though obviously the real heart was was with the romance, you know, but... Hey, I think cool. two really funny, uh, like Ned moments in this movie that maybe were like kind of under the radar. Number one, I love the scene when Tom Holland is apologizing to Zendaya for the spell or for like almost casting the spell. Well, and yeah. she's like, yeah, sure. She's like, you know, next time maybe we can just talk about it. Like, don't do something like that without, without yeah. talking about it. And then he tells Ned and Ned's like, yeah, man, that's cool. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that right before they go into that basement and turn on the lights? And then Ned's like, it was just so believable. It was so believable because like, he just seems like that type of friend that would be like, Oh yeah, that's fine, man. Whatever. Yeah. Do whatever you want. And then also the second scene, how about when he's talking to, uh, Toby McGuire and he goes, uh, did, did you have a best friend? And Toby McGuire's like, yeah, I did. He's like, he tried to kill me and then he died in my arms. He's like tragic. (laughs) And then yeah. Ned just is like has his mouth hanging open, like dumbfounded. <laughs> it was so funny, man. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And then and then Ned just comes back over to Tom Holland, <laughs> like looking all messed up, looking all distraught and sad. And he's like, yeah. "I will never try to kill you." Yeah, uh, <laughs> dude. Well, and then yeah, Andrew Garfield. His response to that is so good. He like pats him on the shoulder. <laughs> great stuff, man. Kason, let's talk. So, hey, one thing too with this trio, because they've been so great throughout this whole trilogy. Dude, you know what scene I loved with them? I love the scene when they go find Peter on the uh, rooftop and they just give him a hug, man. Me too. Like, Me too. That was so powerful, dude. He is a wreck after Aunt May died. They just walk up and both hug him. Don't say anything. It is such a great moment. And it like those moments are what make you feel like this is real. These feelings are real. It's not just a uh, superficial yeah. comic book thing. I kind of, now that we're talking about it, I kind of feel like something this movie could have used uh, was, would be like a scene just between Peter and Ned. In some capacity, because I'm just trying to think about why I feel like Ned didn't quite have the emotional weight that I wanted him to. And I feel like they could have had something a little bit more where they like just give him some kind of like friend moment. You know what I mean? With Peter, like without Zendaya. I don't know. I just was feeling like he was kind of there the whole time. But but I think one thing, this is not to excuse what you're saying, but I think some of it is though, that's just kind of their relationship. Like it's just a high school, like they're, you know, they're in high school. They're just buddies. They're friends. It's not, I don't know if we're necessarily supposed to think that Ned is some like deep well of emotion or, you know, like sure, I think sure. he just kind of is a guy that like well, a lot of guys. But I like. feel like in Homecoming, they really set it up. Like they were like, you know, like he was like his go-to dude. Like, you know, if anything happened, like he was yeah, there but, for him. Uh, you didn't think that it was like that in this movie? I mean, I thought they were Not still- really, because I just thought Zendaya trio. kind of- uh, I mean, obviously, I love his relationship with Zendaya, but I don't know. It was just kind of well, an dude, interesting- Well, dude, they still dynamic. got the handshake. They still yeah, got the handshake. <laughs> what can I say? That's true. Kaysen, let's talk about Doctor Strange. This was somebody who, based on the trailer, I was worried. I'm like, dude, I don't know. The way the trailer's cut, like, is Benedict bringing the Cumberbatch, dude, or is he bringing the Cumber <laughs> farts? Because <laughs> it looks bringing the underbatch. Yeah, dude, it looked kind of like weird. But seeing the movie, what did you think of Benny, dude? Did he deliver or did he not? 
Um, kind of a mixed bag for me. I love Cumberbatch, obviously. I think that, uh, his fight sequences in this movie were awesome. I did like his relationship with Peter. I do think that he was acting pretty weird in this movie. Like, I mean, and I think it's just the writing. Yeah, I don't think there's anything, like, terrible about it or anything, but he was not acting like a Sorcerer Supreme. He was acting like a real dummy. When he's just like immediately willing to cast a spell for Peter out of nowhere without even like going over the parameters of the spell or making sure that he's tried other things before doing it. It seemed a little strange to me. Like, yeah, why not just wipe the memory of the entire world? But they kind of explain it away with like, well, we've done it for way simpler things before. But they played him very comedically as opposed to like, I think how his character should actually behave if he is the same Doctor Strange that we've seen in the previous movies. But see, I kind of agree with you, but I'll say two things. Number one, he was way better than the trailer. I feel like this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. The entire I said this from day one, the trailer dropped. The entire sequence where he cast the spell and it's so goofy, I thought in the movie it played out way better. Like the way things yeah. were happening, I was buying into it as goofy as it was. I was buying into it way more. And and also just his lines of dialogue, like they came across much better in the movie to me, whereas in the trailer, it was almost like they were trying to put them in to tell the audience what the story was, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. The second thing I'll say about Strange, I like the fact, and while I agree with you, he was kind of dumb in this movie, like some of the stuff he did with the spell and like, yeah. you know, he got mad at Peter, which was kind of funny, saying like, did you call the college to like try to you know, question their decision. Yeah. But it's like, dude, you're the moron who cast the spell. Like, why didn't you, why didn't you ask him that first? Yeah. Well, and I mean, my other thing is like, if it was so easy to change the parameters, don't you think strange in advance would have been like, Hey, anybody you want to not forget you <laughs> instead of just being yeah. like, Oh yeah, no, literally everyone, you know, is going to forget you. Like he didn't think that that was going to be problematic before doing it. I don't know. Yeah, but dude, the thing that I'll say that I liked about Strange in this movie a lot, I thought this movie did a great job of tapping back into his origin movie um, from 2016, kind of his like dickish nature, where like the way he treated Peter was almost like an annoyed adult having to babysit. In a different, I thought this movie did a great job of differentiating him and Tony Stark. Like the way Tony Stark- Like the way Tony Stark dealt with uh, Peter was kind of like a dick too, but like kind of like a sarcastic, smart-ass father, you know, that like you knew Strange treats him almost like he genuinely is like disgusted by children. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then by the end of the movie, he does kind of come around to have a nice little moment with him. But I agree. I like it how the whole time he's just kind of like, ugh, like (laughs) this kid. It's Yeah. Yeah, it's like he gives him a chance at first and lets his emotion get in the way. But then once he realizes Peter is not obeying him and also kind of being a bonehead about things, he's just quickly like back to his put his walls up and like this kid's an idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I did like that. I thought they brought him back to kind of the dickish level that I like his character to exist in. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway, uh, Kaysen, it's t- let's do. I mean, we could talk about Aunt May and Happy Hogan. They were great. I don't think we got to spend a lot of time on them. We'll maybe touch on May a little bit when we talk about her death scene. Let's get into the villains, dude. Chilling okay. like a villain. What do you think? Well, are there any other OG? I mean, can we just quickly touch on like 
the teachers briefly appearing. Oh my god! I love those dude. characters. Oh the gym gosh. teacher, the other science teachers. Hilarious, total comic the- relief. Flash. I think we should briefly mention Flashpoint. Wow, dude, his <laughs> hair. His hair. His hair was out of control. I mean, he was total comedy again in this movie, which is fine. That's kind of all he ever is. Hey, I gotta tell you, uh, with the teachers. The look on Hannibal Burris's face as the gym teacher yeah. when Peter first walks up and he just has that like dead eyed mouth <laughs> hanging open. Like it's almost like he was trying to look disgusted and untrusting, but it yeah. just came across like he was stoned and it was the funniest look like just staring at him. I was dying laughing. Yeah. Totally. And then uh and then the one teacher's like, hey man, you can crawl on the wall, you can zip around the hallway, <laughs> yeah. we don't care, man. Do whatever you want. We know you can do it. We are like we know you have those options. <laughs> we, yeah, we know you can do it. Oh, it yeah. was so funny, dude. Hey, real quick, before we get into the villains too, J. Jonah Jameson. Uh yeah. J.K. Simmons coming back as J. Jonah Jameson. What did you think? Again, dude, like I I loved it. I loved his performance. I think he's still nailing it, and I like what they did with him. I am a little disappointed that he never got to interact with anyone. I feel like there should have been some scene of him with Peter, like getting to actually interact, but it is what it is. I mean, I don't know what the reasons were for the way they wrote him, but he did great for the role that he was put in. I think I, I totally agree with you. Um, I thought he was good, and, and, and it's so good to see J.K. Simmons back in this role. He is a guy who was born to play this role. I just rewatched all these movies before seeing this, like the OG yeah. trilogy and stuff. He is so good, but I think so much of what makes him good is his interactions with other people. Seeing right. him like bitching people around and just like reacting to Elizabeth Banks as his secretary, like that's where the comedy comes from. So I totally agree. I wish we got more scenes of him like talking to other people to kind of assert his dominance than we did. Yeah, totally. He was still good. And Kason, we can't forget, we're going to talk about Toby and Andrew later, but Kason, let's talk about our boy, Matt Murdock, dude. Oh. This guy said, Netflix. I'm beyond your grasp. I am yeah. now in Feige land. Now what with Feige's hands. Of the brief three-minute scene we got of our favorite blind superhero, Matt Murdock, coming back as the lawyer for uh, Peter Parker. Dude, it was awesome. As soon as they showed the cane, dude, like yes. my theater, my theater immediately erupted. People were like, yes. oh, <laughs> it's him. Um, See, that's, dude, that's what I'm talking about. Like even a, it's not a small reveal, but even just a brief cameo like that, they gave us just that little moment, but they didn't just show his face. You know what I mean? They gave us yeah. just that moment of like, oh my Lord. Yeah, and his little scene was great, and I i mean, I think it's cool. Like, I don't know if he is going to be sort of integrated into the Spider-Man stuff going forward, or if that was literally just a random cameo because they wanted to put him in some movie. But, like, I loved his scene. I thought it was great when he caught the brick. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, and they go, how'd you do that? And he said, I'm a good lawyer, or <laughs> yeah. I'm a really good lawyer. <laughs> yeah, it that was, was awesome. So- it was just so good to see him, dude. I love him. I, I mean, I love that character. I love Charlie Cox so much. And it's like, I can't wait to see what the future holds. I know he's guaranteed or he's confirmed to be in She-Hulk. He is confirmed to be in Echo. The, these are all Disney Plus shows. And then he is getting his own Disney Plus show. Amazing. No so chance at all that he's in the Hawkeye finale, do you think? On Wednesday? 
I don't think so, dude. Okay. I don't think so. I think that's too crowded. We already have Yelena. We already have Kingpin coming in. I think it's sure. too crowded. All right. Fair enough. Um, Kason, before we get into all the villains and Toby and Andrew, I want to say something that I, so I don't forget the reason, because this is a perfect jumping off point to these iconic characters. The reason this movie works so well, this is my main takeaway, my main takeaway, dude. If you just wanted to capture this in a, in a nutshell here, this movie works because all of these OG characters are coming back not just to stand there and be like, hey, that's Willem Dafoe. Hey, that's Andrew Garfield just waving at the camera like everyone clap. It's Andrew <laughs> Garfield. No, 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 no. These guys are putting in performances. Yeah. They are sliding back into these roles so effortlessly. It is awesome to see. Me and you saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, a movie that I think we both enjoyed. But one of my problems with that movie, spoiler alert, in the end of the movie, when we get the OG Ghostbusters, Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson, and uh, Dan Aykroyd, it's it just feels like they showed up for a day of filming, stood there, kind of awkwardly delivered dialogue, and then everyone claps in the theater. Right. You know? And my, my fear was that is what was going to happen in this movie. When we see Willem Dafoe, when we see Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, when we see Andrew and Toby, it was going to be more like, it just feels like awkward. Yeah. And thank the Lord, everybody is coming correct, dude. And that is what I think saves this movie and makes it work is the fact that everyone is, is like I said, everyone is putting in the performances to feel like they're old characters. Yeah. I, I completely anyway. agree. The villains. Well, we can, we can, do you want to do them one by one or just talk about them as all? <laughs> uh, we can just talk we can talk about him as a whole because otherwise we're probably gonna run a little long. Let's dive in, dude. Kason, who do you let's talk about the villains first. We'll save Andrew and Toby for last. Sure. What did you think of these villains? Let's highlight who we liked, who we thought maybe could have been better, um, all their introductions, all that good stuff. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I will start with Defoe. I think he was Ooh. the <laughs> I think he was the standout for sure. Um I think that his performance was incredible. I thought he was super terrifying and uh, just, yeah, like you said, slipped right back into his role from Spider-Man one. I feel like he was the same character and uh, he did an amazing job and he was pretty much the main driving force for Tom Holland's whole arc in this movie, which is really cool because that's obviously kind of what he's known for is like, being the catalyst for the tragic event that ends up, you know, making Spider-Man learn how to be a man. Uh, so I think he has now done that with multiple people. And I thought it was a really cool that, I mean, this kind of with another character, but Toby ended up stopping Tom Holland from killing him just because of the way that kind of relates back to Toby's own movie. And then, you know, like obviously Holland is trying to prevent green goblin from dying. And so that would be kind of counterproductive to what he was trying to do. But Defoe was awesome. My only wish is that they gave him a better transitional shot the first time he's in the movie is Norman Osborn because they just kind of randomly go to him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. That That is true. That is the one time in the movie where it could have been built up better. Yeah. Because – when we first see Green Goblin on his hovercraft thing, it was amazing. Exactly. And that, that scene of, of them transporting to the sank, the, the whatever they call it, Doctor yeah. Strange's lair. Yeah. 
it was like, what the hell is going on? We just got that little tease of him. But then when we see him in the alley and we actually see Willem Dafoe for the first time, it was a little like anticlimactic. Like you should have given us a better reveal. It was too quick. It it was the definition of like, just show his face. Yeah. Just the editing was a little weird, but doesn't matter. Correct. Are you ready, dude? Are you ready for me to go back out on that limb for the second time? (laughs) I'm ready. What are you going to say? Listeners, brace yourself. I'm about to make a bold proclamation, Case, and see if I'm crazy or if you could maybe agree with this. Okay. Willem Dafoe's performance in Spider-Man No Way Home is the second best villain in all of the MCU, only after Thanos in Infinity War. Okay, now are you saying second best villain character or second best performance from the actor? Because hmm. if, if, well, <laughs> I think I, I might be able to give you performance, but I don't know if I would say his role in this movie is the second best villain we've ever had. Yeah, you know I, I mean? guess I'm speaking. I'm speaking performance, but now that I'm thinking about it, I might want to back off that limb a little bit. Because I would even say Tony Leung and Shang Chi was a cooler, not cooler, but like a better character yeah. than Green Goblin, even if the performance. Yeah, I guess good. thinking about it, I am speaking on performance. Yes, sure. performance. Okay, I, I, I might be able he, to give you I, that. I would need to think about it. But the thing is then, I don't even know if I'd say Brolin as Thanos was the best performance. I might even say like Michael Keaton from Homecoming. Sure. Or I mean, what about Michael B. Jordan, dude? Yeah, he's great. He's yeah. great. Obviously, he's in the running. I think Defoe is at least in the running for the best performance we've ever seen from a villain in the MCU. What about Loki? Absolutely. <laughs> I think he's better. I think Defoe okay. is better than Loki. Yeah, I, I, I strictly performance wise, this was unlike anything we have seen in the MCU. This dude tapped so hard into that Raimi vibe. It was unbelievable to see this guy at his age, 20 years later, come back into this role. And not only I mean, dude, when he snapped. When he goes from being confused, sympathetic Norman Osborn, the first time we get that scene in the apartment, dude. I mean, it was probably the highlight of the movie. That entire apartment sequence, absolutely chilling stuff. And for whatever reason, Defoe's performance took something that could have been cartoonish and silly, and it had such a such a dark, negative, um, dangerous energy to it. Where when he was fighting Peter, the brutality of those fights, again, tapping into the Raimi movies when he would fight Tobey Maguire and get him bloody and messed up, it was like, it felt dangerous. It felt, it felt scary. Do you agree? Yeah, I actually agree with you. I mean, now that I'm kind of processing it, I I think you might be right. His performance in this is pretty, like, pretty unique, really. I mean, just because it did feel so, like chilling and committed i i just don't think that many other villains in the mcu go that hard in terms of acting psychotic you know what i mean so i agree it was like really special can we talk about that scene in the apartment i don't want to forget this scene dude (laughs) what did you think of this entire sequence when we first get when when peter's uh spider sense starts going nuts everything drops out and we just see him for like 20 seconds. The, 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 the length of time that he was walking around was perfect. It was long enough to where the audience started feeling incredibly uneasy. And we were wondering what is the threat? What is the threat? You know what I mean? And to see him 
shoot the web at Willem Dafoe's hand. And then the slow turn of the head with the smile and the, oh, Peter. Yep. Dude, the stuff of legend, man. Like this is, oh, dude, awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. And I mean, bouncing off of that, the entire fight sequence after that is one of, I mean, one of the most brutal that has ever been in the MCU for sure. And again, Defoe's, really both of their performances, Tom Holland and Defoe are both just putting in like facial acting work (laughs) that I feel like is incredibly rare in action movies in general these days. Like just the way the fight seems so personal and brutal and like tangible and painful to them, you know, and Defoe is just loving it. Like this dude is out of his mind and Tom Holland is trying to hang in there, but obviously he's messed up and he's like worried about what is happening. I just thought it was great, dude. I feel like it was really really think special. I, I really think one of the most disturbing shots we've ever had in the MCU is seeing Tom Holland beaten and broken and destroyed, giving everything he has, punching Defoe repeatedly in the face. And you can tell he is not pulling his punches. He is unloading on this guy. And Defoe is just laughing maniacally in his face. It's incredible. The 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 contrast of like vibe. Like we feel for Tom Holland, it, he looks so broken down. Like he just got his ass stomped. And we see Defoe just like maniacally cackling. It is, it's not played for laughs. It's like, this is creepy stuff, man. It really worked. Yeah, dude. And I mean, um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the entire movie is the very specific. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that because that's a little exaggerated, but one of my favorite action moments is when Green Goblin picks up the broken and battered Tom Holland, throws him up against the ceiling. So his body like slams off of the ceiling. And then as soon as he falls, picks him back up and just jumps through the floor and like body slams him through like seven floors of the apartment building. Oh my gosh, oh. dude. It is the way he does it. Like with his body language, green goblin is so good. It's just so like casual and it just looks like he's it, really what it gives me vibes of is just him kind of like playing around with like his food. You know yes, what I mean? Like he just toy. like picks him up, throws him up, grabs him, like jumps through the floor. He's just like having a great time beating the crap out of him. And, and I will say this is definitely the most broken we've seen Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but they do a good job in, in the MCU trilogy of, of always breaking him to some degree. Whether it's homecoming when he gets the rubble on top of him, whether it's far from home when Mysterio, you know, psychologically beats his ass and then he kind of (laughs) gets saved by happy. Yeah. And he's all like broken down and they do a good job of this. And this is one of the things this just made, this is kind of a random side note, but going back to the character of Falcon slash new captain America, I've, I've said this so many times and, and some people think I'm crazy. Some don't really understand what I'm saying when, when I keep saying he needs to get broken. He needs to get his ass beat. Yeah. And this is what I'm talking about. If you want to know what I mean by that, when you see Tom Holland staggering through these hallways, wrecked, barely able to get away, hobbling away, we need to see that with more MCU heroes. We need to see them defeated. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I'm talking physically defeated where it's like, oh man, this feels real. Yeah, I agree. 
Anyway, uh, so Defoe, we'll probably mention him later as we talk about more of the movie. But, Kaysen, let's talk about Alfred Molina coming back as Doc Ock. He was in a lot yeah. of people's favorite Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, back in 2004. What did you think of Molina? Um, we saw him in the trailer, obviously, in that bridge sequence. Did he bring the goods like Defoe? Uh, performance-wise, 100%, yeah. I mean, he didn't have as flashy of a role, but I thought he was literally the same character like incredibly yes. impressive job of just being his same acclaimed character from you know spider-man 2 which is everybody's favorite movie or whatever but i loved it i thought he was fantastic i loved the bridge fight sequence i thought he really nailed the comedy as well as the sort of relationship admiration with tom holland's character in the apartment as well as with toby Maguire later in the movie um i will say as far as his character goes I kind of have pros and cons. Like I sort of liked what they did with him and I did like that they redeemed him. I don't know if I totally loved the way that he was saved and then just kind of slipped away from the fighting in the apartment building, ran away somewhere and then just kind of shows up at the end. Like I don't, were they trying to play with our expectations of is he good or bad? Like we didn't know what was going to happen. Cause I feel like it just all, was edited very weirdly to me where like, I didn't See, know why funny. he was grabbing the Spider-Man and then grabbing Jamie Foxx. And then he was just like, Oh, I got it. Don't worry. I don't know. It's funny, dude. I've heard people say the same thing I, for some reason. And I, I'm a moron. We know this, this is established, but I was not confused about this at all. Like okay. to me, I knew he was good. Like in the apartment, he seemed like totally back to himself, Otto Octavius, no corruption. And then he just ran away when it start when shit started hitting the fan. Like but I why did he it, like do he that? Why just, didn't he help Tom Holland? <laughs> because I think that's a question you people ask about Sandman as well. But to me, it's like they're not bad, but they're also not like they don't even know this alternate Peter. Like I, I understand sure, you could say sure. why didn't they help? But to I me, mean, Tom Holland has literally like, cured his disease that he said he doesn't hear the voices anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I, I just look at it more like he's just confused and still just trying to like uh, you know, self-preservation, like just get out of there and like figure it out. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that was that weird to me. It was almost predictable in a, it's, which is fine. But, uh, where I was expecting him to come back in the end, like, okay, we sure. haven't seen Doc Ock. We know he's good now. He's no longer corrupt. Like he's going to show up in the end and, and help our heroes. And he sure. And sure enough, he did. Sure. Um, Dude, one thing really interesting about Alfred Molina, because I totally agree, he slipped back into this role probably better than anyone else. Um, because even like Green Goblin, he was almost amplified from what he even was in the Maguire movie. So like yeah, Doc Ock felt like the same character. But one thing I think is so interesting about all these villains, and it's so like awesome to see, dude, who would have thought we'd ever see this? They all kind of got like MCUified. Yeah, what especially I mean with that, comedy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it's so cool because they kept what made them work in their movies, or sometimes in the case of some of these guys, what didn't work and tweaked it a little bit, but they added that MCU Feige humor that we love. And I thought Alfred Molina was the perfect example of this. All those scenes where he was in prison with Strange, you know, in Strange's basement and shit, it yeah. was very funny, but never felt too goofy. It never felt like they were making Doc Ock like a, a, a punchline or a joke. It was more like he was just exasperated uh, with everyone else's stupidity, and that made it funny. That's yeah. how I looked at it. 
Yeah, I agree. And they did a good job too of him more than any other character, I think, of realizing that he... I don't know how to put it. I guess I shouldn't say any other character, but what I'm trying to say is I like the fact that he seemed, even when he was bad, he still seemed like he had some humanity in him where like you could see why he was a good man as Otto Octavius. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I like kind his, of, I just like, I mean, him. after he lost the fight to Tom Holland, they kind of just gave him like a disgruntled, frustrated, like yes. he, he kind of became comic relief for a while until the end. I would say, what uh, did you think of the bridge sequence, dude? When he first appears? I loved it. I mean, that I think that is his best part of the movie for me. Dude, um, getting Doc Ock versus Spider-Man in the Iron, Iron Spider, Spider I know. Oh, Looks like we got some competition. <laughs> I love that. Um, awesome. Awesome, dude. And what a great ending. What a just perfect MCU type ending of the fight with, with Tom Holland overtaking his his arms. Yeah, basically. with a Bluetooth connection. <laughs> so, so good, dude. That was so, so good. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Alfred Molina was great. Kazen, let's talk about Jamie Foxx. What did you think of the return of everyone's favorite light bulb? It's electro time, dude. What's up? I'm very, very conflicted on this, Keenan. Um, I liked Jamie Foxx's performance in this movie, but it's kind of like they just took the character to me and completely changed him and put him in this movie. Yes. And yes. then I also don't really think he had any clear purpose or motivation in this movie. I feel like he was just kind of an incredibly random character that got a pretty decent amount of screen time and dialogue, a lot of which was comic relief, so I like that. But I don't really know that he needed to be in this movie. The character was so bad in Amazing Spider-Man 2, like, I kind of would have been okay with it if they just left him out. Um, because I like, I kind of like the stuff with him being like, oh, this is a new universe. Like the energy feels different, you know, like I can like feel, but to me, that yeah. was just way more bland than the stuff with Molina and Defoe. So I was, I was a little bit back and forth on this. I don't know. What do you think? I, I really liked his character, but I also feel like his character of Electro is kind of a perfect summary of the plot of this movie, which is you just can't think about it that much. <laughs> and he's kind of the embodiment of that, which is why does he look like this? Like, why is he talking totally different? Why is he like, it's almost like we don't want him to be a weird outcast nerd anymore. So now he's just going to be the coolest dude to ever live, which is basically Jamie Foxx. Right, right, right. And with no explanation, I mean, they might've had a throwaway line of like, I think he has some line about how now that he's in this universe, he feels like a new person or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like his character is the definition of don't think too hard about it. Like, yeah. Just, why is he even he, in this universe when he never even knew who Peter Parker was? <laughs> in exactly. His that is a big question, dude. If the, if the key to crossing over is knowing that Tom or knowing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, he didn't know that Andrew Garfield was Spider-Man. Yeah. That's kind of funny because so, that's the type of thing that, you know, it's impossible that nobody realized that. Like clearly somebody was like, Hey, uh, amazing Spider-Man two. He actually never finds that out. And they must've just been like, eh, like whatever. Definitely. Like, it's the, it's the best thing we got. We're going to go with it. 
And I'm totally fine with that because honestly, I liked his character enough. Dude, he had such funny dialogue in that apartment with Sandman. When And dude, how funny was it how they just kept making jokes about him falling into the vat of electric eels? Yeah, that was funny like, in the comparison with him and Sandman falling. That was cool. He's like, I guess we got to be careful where we fall. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. See, to me, I mean, we can kind of jump into Sandman and Lizard too, I guess, but... I think that I am trying to decide whether I liked them being in the movie or whether I would have just preferred it to only be Molina and Defoe and just give them more screen time. You know, I liked uh, them being in the movie and I think it was worth them being in the movie because of the connective thread to Maguire and Garfield. And I think that even though their characters were lacking, they didn't get enough screen time that where it's like, oh, I wish we weren't following Flint Marco Sandman and I, it, because I want more time with Goblin. It was almost like the movie understood that Lizard and Sandman were the weaker villains. So they were kind of just in it occasionally for gags or like connective tissue to, to Garfield or McGuire. That is true. I agree with that. But I do also feel like Sandman and Electro sort of contributed a lot of the Marvel CGI vomit visuals. <laughs> well, especially, especially Sandman. Yeah, especially Sandman. And I don't know if I liked those or not. I mean, I liked the action sequences in general, but I could have done without the sandstorms <laughs> in many of I just think it's kind of weird, dude, because with Sandman, I thought he was portrayed pretty cool in Spider-Man 3 with Raimi. Like the, the train fight scene when they smush his face on the train. And yeah, it's like, yeah. Break. It almost just seemed like this movie, they didn't use him properly. They more just used him, like you said, as kind of a big over-the-top CGI like entity that was just like blowing sand around. Yeah. And it would have been cool if he was more in human form and showing Crying all the cool stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Although there was a hilarious, wasn't there a hilarious scene when someone shakes his hand and or like when uh, Tom Holland high fives him after the wood scene and <laughs> knocks his hand off. Oh, oh see, I love it, dude. I love it. And then I thought the CGI, I don't know if you thought this, I thought the CGI on lizard did not look good when he was in the prison cell. Yeah, I, I like, agree. It looked yeesh, just kind of like, weird. It looked yeah. unfinished. It looked like definitely maybe those rumors were true and they were like under the wire and maybe he was kind of a sacrificial lamb for some of the CGI stuff, but it looked better when he was fighting and moving around. I actually really like the lizard sequence when he attacks Zendaya and uh, Ned. Me too. And, and I like, think that was a really clever way for them to incorporate him into the fight. Yes, totally. But uh, I, overall, they were the weakest, clearly. But I think the movie knew this. And like I said, I still like them being in it just because, dude, we got to bring somebody back from each movie. I, I like that idea. Yeah, that's true. Overall, positive um, feelings, but those were just some. I feel like there are pros and cons to the villains. <laughs> did you like Sandman sitting on the couch? And <laughs> dusting it off and then realizing hand. he was making it worse. Yeah, that was funny. Dude, how <laughs> funny was it when Ned is like, the dinosaur can talk. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dude, how funny was it when Ned is asking him if the tree is like a scientist oh. who turned himself into a tree? <laughs> that was funny i mean they had some great lines i did like all the all of the stuff of them making fun of the lizard for turning himself into a lizard and then he's like oh like telling jamie fox like i could help you with that and jamie fox is like let me guess like by turning me into a lizard (laughs) it's like (laughs) yes 
exactly. It's so funny, man. I'm going to yeah. tell you why that tree line was even fun. Like when Ned said it was at a scientist. Because as I'm rewatching these movies, I even meant to comment uh, on this to you. It's so funny how that is such a through line. It's yeah. always like some genius does something stupid and then turns into something else. Yeah. I mean, that's literally so, Defoe, Molina, and Lizard, right? Yeah, it was very self-referential. And I mean, really, and yeah, I guess Defoe, like you said, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was very like self-referential. So I really enjoyed a lot of that humor and kind of poking fun at uh, some of the the tropes and things that have been made fun of. Dude, we got to give a shout out. Oh my gosh, dude. What did your theater, do, how did your theater react when Willem Defoe said the meme, dude? Oh, and he's like, yes. you know, I'm something, I'm of, a something of a scientist myself. <laughs> Uh, it was honestly on like equal reaction level with a lot of the other cameos. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was amazing. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. It was great. Again, just, this is a type of movie where everything we would think of before, like if we were the, we always say, if we were the writers, dude, if we were the writers, if we were, this is the movie where if we were the writers, it would have looked a lot like this movie. Yeah, I mean, totally. Everything they referenced, they said, they did. It was just so perfect, dude. Case and those are the villains. Let's get into the two superstars that everybody was hoping, everybody was wanting to see. Long rumored, almost confirmed, but nobody knew for sure. They were here, dude. We got our boy Andrew Garfield, tick, tick, boom. We got our boy Toby Maguire uh, of, you know, gambling fame. What did you think? of these two guys coming back talk to me about their performances and let's talk about their in their introduction scenes when the theater <laughs> went wild dude this it's it's almost just so funny to think about just because like andrew garfield is obviously like an s tier actor <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah, in hollywood yeah, and then toby Maguire is just this like goofball that i don't even know how he ever initially like got into the business but he was and, tight with uh dicaprio yeah you're right I, yeah i guess great gatsby that's true um Dude, it's so funny, but I loved them both coming back. I thought their introductions were perfect. I thought they really played into the best parts of like both of their characters. Like I've heard some people say it's kind of cool how Andrew Garfield came back in the Spider-Man costume because he was always kind of the better Spider-Man. And then Tobey Maguire was just like, yeah. you know, rocking his goofy looking jacket and turtleneck or whatever he was wearing. Youth pastor, dude. Yeah, he like youth, youth pastor, pastor 101. <laughs> uh it was awesome. I thought their performances were great and I was really impressed with the amount of like genuine dialogue and character moments they gave both of them. Um, if you want to start with Garfield, I feel like we can jump straight to the rescue of Zendaya, which was Ooh. also one of the emotional oh. highlights of the movie. Jason, before we get to the rescue of Zendaya, let's okay. talk about each of their intros, like okay. when they actually came into the movie. What did you think of the way this scene was handled? Because that was a big question mark. How are they going to bring these guys in? Is it going to be a get hype moment or is it going to be a Bill Murray standing there with a proton pack awkwardly grinning? It was absolutely perfect, dude. I think they set it up for the ideal theater experience because as soon as Ned opens that portal and you see the Garfield Spider-Man kind of standing in the distance, it's like the beginning of this avalanche of realization. You know what I mean? Where like, yes. as soon yeah. as you see it, a couple people in the theater start to be like, Oh man, like, Oh my gosh. Like, Oh my God. You know? And then like, as he starts running yeah. closer, it's like this growing tidal wave of like 
people audibly like freaking out and you know whispering to uh, each other it was so cool what a dude. moment so cool what a moment dude. and then of course it, all leading up to him taking the mask off and then that's when people just lost their minds dude and then not only taking the mask off and, and having people lose their minds but the follow-up scene with zendaya throwing bread at him and like yeah. everything with garfield it was so charming right from the jump man it wasn't something where he just appears and then it's like hey i'm here guys like cut to the next scene yeah. it was so charming dude they gave him such a great intro scene to just show his personality what type of guy he is it was awesome. I love this so much. And and to contrast that, I mean, look, obviously the theater went nuts when Toby Maguire strolled in in his uh, youth pastor outfit. <laughs> but it was just kind of funny how, like you just said, really both of their intros suited their character. Because Andrew Garfield came jogging in like a cool badass and just being very charming with Zendaya and Ned. And then Toby Maguire kind of just like, awkwardly like walks in in jeans and a sports jacket <laughs> he's like oh hey i came th- i came through the oh it just closed behind it just closed <laughs> like what is he talking about oh yeah. man dude it, it was so funny when i was seeing toby Maguire, i could just imagine him in the raimi trilogy when he'd be like oh boy mj boy do i ever want to go out with you <laughs> yeah dude it was funny they did a good job of keeping his dweebiness while also making him actually seem like an adult <laughs> like totally. not trying to make him a high schooler again yeah man everything dude the, the the little standoff between him and garfield where they like shoot their webs at yeah, each other that was and then realize they're both it was great man this is how you do it i'm so glad this scene worked like it did and it was just it was such a great payoff just to all the months and months of speculation they delivered dude so congrats to mcguire and garfield let's talk about kind of their overall just presence in the movie and their scenes with Tom Holland. Did you think they were in this movie a good amount of time? And what did you think of their back and forth with uh, Tom Holland? I thought they were in it the perfect amount of time, which is a little bit leading up to the final encounter, but not enough to take away the first two thirds of the movie from Holland. Um, I thought it gave them just enough of a buildup, just enough of a fill in. We got plenty of the banter that we wanted and the little references between the three of them. Uh, but I mean, ultimately the, the, the most brilliant thing about the way they use them is that both of them had a clear purpose of developing Tom Holland's character, right? Like both of their roles in the movie were ultimately in service of Tom Holland, but yes. on the way, they found a way to like give you updates on both of them and somehow give them little character moments as well. And I think that was just the perfect balance of what they needed. I totally agree, man. I thought that they did a great job of balancing the humor with the emotion. You know, it, which sounds like an advanced Twitter reaction to like the movie, but <laughs> it, great heart and tons of humor. Yeah. But this really is the definition of that, man. I mean, the scene where they are standing there telling a broken, defeated Tom Holland who just lost his aunt about how they had loss. And, you know, Andrew Garfield choking up, talking about Gwen Stacy dying right in front of him and how he yep. went to a dark place and, you know, stopped pulling his punches. And then we get Toby Maguire talking about Uncle Ben. All that stuff worked, man. 
it was so good. I, I, I loved it. it. It hit hard for me in the way they were able to go from those dark places to the, the lighthearted comedic vibes. They all three just did a great job with that. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, yeah. Should we talk about when he saves MJ? <laughs> it's like yeah, one of my favorite. I know you want to talk about We can it, talk man. about let's their talk banter. About he- we can talk about their banter first of talking like the, well, let's just go scene by scene. Let's talk about in the lab when they're getting their nerdy scientist on. <laughs> Dude, and they like the break lab, out the beakers. This is a scene that makes literally no sense. But once again, don't overthink it. It was literally like, let's cure, <laughs> let's go to the high school science lab yeah. and create cures for each villain. Oh, in in yeah. like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Not it, bad. But dude, when you're having this great of a time, who cares? They could have been, you know, uh, studying quantum physics and opening up a, a wormhole. <laughs> I wouldn't have cared, man. I'm like, just give me this trio back and forth. It was great. Any standout lines you liked in this uh, lab scene? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was funny. Toby Maguire's like, oh yeah, I should, I think I should be able to come up with like an anti-serum for, for Goblin. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for a long time. <laughs> and then he just immediately <laughs> what a dope. it up. Uh, obviously Dude, this, this is, is, go ahead, go ahead. This is the scene when they call them Peter Parker and they all respond and say, yes. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this is some, a lot of this banter, a lot of this dialogue is kind of cornball, but it works because we love these three. I mean, I know you have very like different thoughts, maybe on McGuire, but it's like, we love these three characters and these three actors. So we want to see them ham it up. You know what I mean? So even some of the stuff that's kind of corny, it all works because it's just so charming. Uh, well, that's and, how I felt about it. And I like how in a lot of these scenes where they talk to each other, they they find a really good way to highlight the similarities between them, which is the fact that they are all a little bit like awkward and dorky in like their own way. And so even when they're talking to each other, I kind of like the way that a lot of them are like stuttering or kind of tripping over their words or like second guessing themselves. You know what I mean? It's like they all share that feature, which is cool. Yeah, dude. And not not to skip forward too much, but that's why I love the end of this movie so much when Tom Holland goes up to them before they they go away and he just doesn't even know how to thank them. And Garfield says, hey, you don't have to. He's like, we, we're we always going to do – what do you say? He's like, we do – Isn't he like, this is what we, we do? Exactly. Yes. Thank yeah. you. He's like, this is what we do. And it's like they all know. They're all Peter Parker, man. They understand. Like, you don't have to say thanks. This is what we do. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. I thought it was beautiful. Anyway, Kaysen, let's get to the finale of this movie, Statue of Liberty time, dude. Let's go. Uh, I love everything about this climax of the movie. It was great. The Like you said, though, the banter leading up to it, talking about what villains they've fought. What a <laughs> great scene, dude. Andrew Garfield saying, uh, I feel kind of lame. Like I pretty much just fought like a crazy Russian guy in a rhino suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And, and then, then Tom Holland dude, talking about the, the alien. Line. How about the next line though, when Maguire's like, you are not lame. He's like, you're, you're, you're amazing. He's no, he like, says, you're you amazing. Are, he goes, you're, am- you're amazing. Yeah. It's almost like he wanted Garfield to say, I'm a ama- I'm the amazing Spider-Man. Yep, exactly. And, but I like that he didn't. I like uh, that they were like, can you say it? And Garfield's like, no, yeah, yeah I, I just really needed to hear that. <laughs> that I love great. it, man. Yeah. And then we get the great scene where Maguire's talking about his lower back pain. Oh, I forgot about that, dude. That is one of the best scenes in the movie. 
And That's Garfield so cracked his back, man. So good. I was like, this. Who, see, who's coming up with this stuff? They picked the prime material, dude. That was so funny. Yeah. I love it. We also got Tom Holland. Uh, well, I guess this is f- skipping forward a little bit, but when they're all bumbling and not able to work together and Tom Holland kind of groups them up and says like, hey, look, I don't want to, I don't want to brag here. He's like, but I was in a group called the Avengers and we like, and they're like the Avengers. What's that? What's the yeah. Avengers? Yeah. It was just really cool to get like an Avengers reference said to these other characters from these other film franchises. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And Garfield thinks he's in a band. <laughs> awesome. Um, this yeah, is also I actually like maybe, that. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, this is also when we get maybe the most under the radar funny moment of this entire movie, which is when they're arguing about Peter number one, Peter number two, Peter number three. Yeah. The look on Garfield's face when he is so exasperated and he finally just says, okay, okay. I, Peter number three, Peter number three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is such a funny look of exasperation that I, I wish I could frame it, man. Garfield is a national treasure. Yeah, dude. Well, no, it's like they're, remember they're going around like after they've finished coming up with their plan and Tom Holland's like, all right, like I'm Peter number one. And like, they're about to go do their thing. And he's like, all right, Peter number one. And then he points to McGuire and goes, Peter number two. And then both of them point to Garfield and they say it at the same time as him. Right. So they're like Peter number three and Garfield's like Peter number three, like at the same time. Oh, uh, it was so, funny. so you're right, dude. You're right. Oh my um, gosh. But I was going to say, I actually like that decision or just the idea that like Garfield and Maguire wouldn't know how to really do teamwork. Like that was kind of a yes. cool, like something I never thought of. But when they said that, I was like, oh, that's actually interesting because Holland does know how to fight in a team and be coordinated, but they wouldn't have any idea how to do that. So it's cool. Case and next we get, we get the shot, man. I think we get this next like 20, 30 second sequence, which is what I think we were all waiting for. Everybody wanted to see this. All three Spider-Men as the music from Giacchino swells jumps off the building in perfect harmony swinging around dude zipping off of each other like webbing each other for momentum right pulling each other all perfectly superhero pose landing at the same time oh my gosh dude like this is the stuff of legend this is what we were waiting for i think it delivered keenan i agree i do think it delivered i thought this was awesome I do want to ask though, because this is kind of something I've been thinking about and I don't want to seem ungrateful to Marvel and Sony for giving us this, but doesn't it seem like considering they came up with this insane Dr. Strange Spider-Man sequence where he's like webbing himself through portals and going into mirror dimensions and whatever, I kind of feel like they could have given us more here of the Spider-Man interacting fighting because it was really cool how they were all kind of like going after different villains and zipping around and like working together, throwing the thing around. But I feel a little bit like they didn't go as hard as they could have as far as showing them team up fighting together. I don't know. That's just my thought. I don't know what you No, I, I, I somewhat agree with you. I, I, yeah, I guess the, the 20, 30 seconds I was mentioning prior was not necessarily an action sequence, but more just like their moment, their kind of Avengers 360 spin the camera right. moment of right. like, here's all three of them in their element. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like th- we got some of it. So it's not like I'm trying to say they totally shortchanged us. There were some great like teamwork sequences with like, for example, Maguire getting wrecked by Sandman and then 
Andrew Garfield throwing him the cure, right? Yeah. And he, him yeah. catching it with his fit. Like there was some cool team up stuff, but you're right. But it I wasn't wanted to see where... them like in a triangle around somebody. You know what I mean? Like passing them back and forth, like beating the. I don't know. I just yeah. felt like I felt like we didn't really you. get that like web teamwork where maybe they like slung one of the villains up in the air and then somebody else like came out and kicked him. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just brainstorming. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And I mean, honestly, like, I mean, this is this is making an excuse just for some, what we heard in the movie. Some of that could be because they're just not good at doing that. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, sure, sure, McGuire sure. and Garfield are not good at working like as a team, so they wouldn't be the type who would know how to like team up like that. Yeah, that makes but, sense. I, I don't mind that much. It didn't really negatively impact the movie for me. But just thinking about it, I feel a little surprised that they didn't that they weren't like we gotta go. 11 out of 10 on this stuff, but one one thing that I love about this end sequence, I really do love again, just back to how good Feige is at, at balancing these huge ensemble movies. I love how each villain got their focus, like their focal moment where it's like, okay, now we're going after lizard. Like now we're going after Sandman. Now we're going after Electro. It was awesome, dude. It wasn't like in the beginning, it was kind of a jumbled mess. And that was the point. But I feel like once it got time to drop the cure, it really was like pretty focused. And each villain got their little moment of like fighting, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that was cool. And we got to see the real bodies of Lizard and Sandman. (laughs) Yeah, briefly, briefly. Kason, let's talk about uh, the end with Green Goblin and, and Spider-Man fighting on the wreckage of Captain America's shield that fell, fell to the ground. (laughs) Uh, What did you think of this final confrontation? Tom Holland losing his mind, dude, going full, uh, you know, Rocky Balboa swinging away on this guy. Like you wouldn't believe dude. What did you think of this final fight? Doing the PlayStation four Spider-Man move where he like does a three sixty in the air and webs him and then like swings him over his head onto the ground. That was so oh awesome. Gosh. Literally, that's a move directly oh. from the game. <laughs> I it was is. like, this is insane. Um, it was awesome. I mean, again, like similar to the apartment fight, it was incredibly painful looking and uh, really, really intense. And both of the actors sold it incredibly well. And I liked how he was about to kill him because it was very believable that that's where he would be in that moment. This is kind of a weird uh, statement maybe, but at first I didn't know if I liked the fact that Holland just whooped his ass. But it's almost like I kind of do like that now. But this time Holland came in ready to beat his ass. Yeah, I feel like that's the difference. And and I like that. I like showing that when he is enraged like this and like wants to go hard, I like the fact it was so laser focused on him just dominating. And it was, it really wasn't even a fight. It was like, I am here to end you, you know? And they did such a good job of showing that emotion, showing that rage and so awesome, dude, having McGuire come in and stop him from delivering the killing blow because he knew that would be the worst thing that could ever happen to uh to uh tom holland yep totally agree. uh mcguire mcguire gets stabbed i really thought very they were gonna weird. kill mcguire very very weird this is another thing that i'm like i have no idea what they were going for here with the stab what, what do you mean McGuire. weird why did he get stabbed what was the point of that I, I thought they were gonna kill him too i thought he was gonna die but then it just kind of fizzled into some weird like side joke where he was like standing there in pain 
I don't know. It just seemed like a strange decision. Like, why did they have Goblin stab him if nothing was going to come of that? I don't know. I didn't know. I thought he, it was dramatic. But how was it? Because then he's just laying there and he's like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I've been stabbed before. He only says that like once he gets up and you realize he's okay. But I mean, I thought for the yeah. I thought for the few minutes when you didn't know that it was very much like, holy crap, are they going to kill off Garfield or uh, McGuire. McGuire? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that. But it is what it uh, is. Kason, we can't not talk about your scene, dude. Uh, Andrew Garfield saving Zendaya. Oh yeah, dude. I got to talk about Garfield's face. <laughs> is this the best scene in the movie? No. <laughs> but it's up there okay. for sure. It, it, <laughs> it's definitely near the top, Keenan. Uh, I think Garfield's face after they land is just, you know, it should be put in a highlight reel. <laughs> and the it's reason this is believable is because he was just reminiscing about Gwen. Right. So that's why this is so perfect. It wasn't like it just came out of nowhere and you're just like, okay, this, cause I could imagine it feeling kind of forced if it came out of nowhere and it's like, uh, it, it wasn't built up. But the fact that we just had that conversation, he was just talking about loss and what he lost and it was fresh in his mind. Dude, we see Zendaya falling. We see Tom Holland jump after her, but gets taken out by Green Goblin's uh, hovercraft. And Dude, Garfield jumping into action. We all predicted this would probably happen, but even so, it delivered in definitely one of the most beautiful moments of the movie. Him asking her, are you okay? And she says, are you okay? Yep. Oh, it was perfect. It was perfect. It was very predictable, but it doesn't even matter. Like The mark of great writing and a great scene is when something is so good that it doesn't even matter if you knew it was going to happen because it still hits you anyway. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Kaysen, that well said. Kaysen, here's the thing. That's about all the characters. Uh, and obviously we went over a lot of the movie as well, but I want to touch on, we don't have to go over the plot, just or the whole plot because we just talked about a lot of it, but I want to go over just kind of a rough, uh, you know, a rough outline of this plot. What did you think of the story of the movie? Which I know is kind of funny. We're talking about this now, but just the idea that the whole spell—I want people to forget I'm Peter Parker, uh, or that you know I'm Spider-Man—and then the villains that cross over know that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. That's why they're crossing over. Really, because what did you not? just think of? What do you <laughs> think of everything story-wise in this movie? Um, I think kind of like we've talked about as related to the characters and for how it impacts their development it's amazing and i think that it works incredibly well as far as just being a logical story that is like rational and even i mean it's hard i don't want to sound like a moron because obviously i know that in the marvel cinematic universe things are going to be goofy and magical and weird. So I'm not trying to act like one of those guys that's like, well, it wasn't very realistic, but I feel like even within the logic of the MCU, this one was a little bit loose for me. And it, it is one of those things, like you said, you just can't think about it too much, which is fine. Like the movie is so enjoyable. You don't need to think about it too much and it can still be an amazing movie. But I do feel like there are some inconsistencies. I feel like you just have to accept the fact that, okay, the spell went wrong. And for some reason that means now people who knew Peter Parker are going to start coming into this universe for some reason, because he messed up the spell. Um, 
I would love to talk about the ending with you as well, because I'm a little bit unclear as to what exactly that spell did too, and how that works. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I think this movie is actually very similar to uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh huh. I think that I think this movie does it a little better than Endgame did because the what's happening is a little more inconsequential and like fluffy. Whereas sure. Endgame, it was so cataclysmic and vital to like the MCU that of course you were gonna overthink it. Of course you were going to like deeply analyze it. But this movie had the same type of vibe of Endgame where like when you start thinking about things, it kind of crumbles a little bit. Like this doesn't really make sense. Like am I thinking about this too hard? Um, But I feel like it was better than Endgame in the sense that it was more like breezy and fun and almost came at it with a don't think about it too hard. Whereas Endgame was more like you needed to think about it, you know? Yeah, and I mean, maybe we just disagree on that. We don't need to get into Endgame again, but I don't really feel like Endgame was that flawed in its logic. I mean, it dealt with time travel and stuff, and I feel like I feel like they established the rules very well of how they were doing time travel, and I feel like within those constra- constraints, like it all made sense with them going back and getting the stones and stuff. But in this, I feel like they weren't even following their own logic. Like with Jamie Foxx coming through, even though he never knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. And then it just being very unclear, like how they were even going to save them by curing them and then sending them back being very unclear at what points in their own universes they were being taken out of. And at what point they would be returned to after they hit the button on that box uh, I mean, just the whole kind of MacGuffin of having the box and being able to hit the button to send them back. Like, I don't know. It was, it just used a lot of like Dr. Strange magic hand waving that you do just have to accept, which is fine. But I think for that reason, it's a little weaker logically. Yeah. That, that was one of the biggest confusing points of the plot to me is when these guys, I mean, some of them mentioned they remember almost dying right in the in their final fights more you know just wa- yeah and then just waking up in this world right and and then like we get a line from defoe where he kind of like can't really remember it's like hazy to him like what even happened yeah so i understand like but you nailed it it's like yeah these guys are cured which by the way let me say when i realized the plot of this movie was peter parker tr- not trying to fight these guys right away but trying to cure them I loved it, dude. I yeah. was hooked. I was like, what a great idea. All of these guys at one point or another were good people. Maybe not Willem Dafoe as much, but <laughs> um, it just made you be like, wow, I, I love this idea because it fits his character. It fits what Aunt May was all about and her message of like helping people. Yeah. And it was just such a cool way to go in this story. I, I really love that. But with that being said, yeah, it's like once he cures them, where are they going to go back to? Do they wake up the moment right before they die? Yeah. Do they like wake up at a random? It was, it was all very um, gray. And like, how does that affect their timelines? Like in their whole universes? Yeah. I needed a little bit more clarification. Dude. One interesting thing. When we get the mention of Norman Osborn, Peter, Tom Holland does not react. Like he knows that name at all. Oh, no. I mean, I don't think there is one. Because Defoe even says in the movie, like, there is no Oscorp here, right? 
Weird. Yeah. And that's very weird just because I was sure we were going to get some Oscorp stuff in the, in the future of, you know, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Yeah. But yeah, maybe not. So anyway, I mean, that's uh, my overall Kaysen, thoughts on let's the talk plot. About, I don't know. Yeah. Let's talk about the end though, because you're exactly right. Dr. Strange puts a, basically Peter realizes the only way to stop all these people from bleeding through into our world um, is to make everyone forget me. Everyone forget Peter Parker, right? Myself, including all my friends, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> Sorry, coughing. But this was, again, stretching my the believability of what's happening, <laughs> just in the sense that it seemed like there's a lot of things that Strange could have done other than this spell. Sure. And while I agree, the scenes with uh, MJ and Ned were beautiful. It's still like, because it happened the way it did, it was harder for me to fully connect emotionally when in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, why didn't they do this, this, or this? Well, and not only why didn't they do something else, but also I was a little confused as to how this was a solution to the problem. Because like, so essentially he had to make everyone in every reality forget that their version of Peter Parker was Spider-Man. So Tom Holland is essentially like sacrificing all of the Peter Parkers in all universes, right? Because the villains only came through because they knew that like Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. They didn't know that Tom Holland was Spider-Man. So like, how does erasing uh... this fix anything? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. Like, they yeah. never knew that Tom Holland was Spider-Man in the first place. So, like, so is Doctor Strange, so is Tobey Maguire going to get back and be like, what the hell? <laughs> like, nobody knows me anymore. Like, yeah, is Tobey Maguire going to get back and MJ is going to be like, where's my tiger? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, but no, seriously, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So... I don't know, Case, and don't think about it too hard. That's the rule. <laughs> well, and then not only that, but it's like one of those things where after they cast a spell, I feel like you could ask five million questions about like, okay, so everyone forgot about him. Does that mean that like things physically, historically changed to where like there are no records of him like being at the school? You know what I mean? Or like yeah, what? Well, like that's what I was thinking. Like, couldn't he take out his phone and just show Zendaya like a picture of them together? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or also, couldn't he go to Doctor Strange and be like, hey, you just cast this spell to like make everyone forget about me, but I am Spider-Man and I'll show you my powers. Here they are. Now, can you make everyone remember again? Or like, well, I guess it's like, so just because everyone forgot about him, does that mean that the pictures on Zendaya's phone of them together are like no longer there? You know what I mean? Or like, does it actually erase things from existence that link him to other people? Like. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's messy. It is messy, dude. It definitely is. And it's one of those things that like, this is the part of the movie most of all, just because it's such a big, impactful ending. And I think it does hit emotionally, oh, but it's yeah. one of those things. It's one of those things though, where it's like, this is the thing you do think about. And I don't think you can just like not think about it. I, I feel like that's kind of problematic just because- there are too many questions that we don't know that kind of leave it feeling a little more sloppy than like intentionally mysterious, you know, where it's, it's like, we need some follow up to this. 
It's hard, dude, because this is honestly like one of my favorite things they did in the movie. Like to me, this hit so hard emotionally. Like while I was watching it, I was loving it because I was like, this is an amazing decision and an amazing moment of growth for Tom Holland's character. But yeah, it is. It, it's almost like after the fact, you're like, eh, like from a writing perspective, I don't know. But from a character perspective, like I'm all in. So hard to say. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that is dealt with in the future of the MCU. I would, I mean, I don't know if we're at the end of it, but I would love to just hear your thoughts in general on like where you think they might go from here. Well, I guess we can talk about the very end, right? Like I loved, did you like him making his own costume? Oh my gosh, dude. I'm so glad you mentioned that. The costume. Oh, the costume. It was popping, dude. Those colors were so vibrant, so bright. I love it. And I love the idea. Like you said, this whole thing has kind of been leading up to this moment. He is now Spider-Man. He has sacrificed literally everything. Okay. And he is like a lone ranger, dude. Yeah. I look at the like few, Batman. So I, I got to give a shout out to the, <laughs> yeah, got to give a shout out to the costume, but I look at the future of Spider-Man as forming new relationships. And I could be off here. I really think we could get the Miles Morales introduction oh my gosh. in the next Spider-Man. Yeah. Because it's the perfect time, dude. It's the perfect time for Tom he Holland a new feeling friend. like a loner. <laughs> exactly. Like feeling like he has no one and kind of meeting this young kid who's eager and kind of maybe giving him some of that spark back that he's probably going to be missing. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, so, so you think, I, you I think Miles will come from his own universe, not another multiverse thing. Correct. Okay. I think Miles will come from the Holland universe. Yep. We even get that amazing line from Jamie Foxx saying he thought Andrew Garfield would be black. Yeah, that was a good line. I really like that. Kind of hinting at uh, Miles Morales. But yeah, I would love to see Miles team up with uh, Tom Holland in the next movie. And I, I mean, there's no way they're writing out Zendaya and Ned. I think I they'll still not. be around. Yeah. They'll still be around. I hope they make him earn it, though. I don't want it to be a quick, like, they're just immediately back together. I want it to be like, keep that keep that uh, kind of distance for a while, you know? Yeah, and I don't know. I, I'm very conflicted. Like, do you want him to get back together with Zendaya? Like, I, I do I, emotionally, but almost from a character perspective, I want them to commit to it, you know? I want them to commit well, to him, like, protecting her by staying away. It's also really interesting, dude, if for, I don't know if they're going to bring Garfield back into this, but Garfield just paid the price for this exact mistake. He promised Emma Stone's dad, right? Gwen Stacy's dad, that he would stay away. That was his dying wish. Yeah. And he didn't do it. He didn't stay away and she died. And I feel like that is such a lesson to be learned for Tom Holland. Like you like he's doing it right right now. As painful as it is, keep your distance. This is only going to hurt these people. And I feel like if he goes back and tries to get back with her, um, he could he could suffer the same consequences. Yeah. It could happen. Do you think that Ned is going to turn himself into some kind of villain at MIT? <laughs> Yeah, he'll be like the tree. The he's a scientist who turns himself into, into a tree. A tree. <laughs> that would be amazing. Inspired by an adventure he can't remember. No, I think that uh, 
I, we'll see, dude. I think it'd be really interesting if the next Spider-Man trilogy kicks off with uh, very little of Zendaya and Ned, but then we just see them maybe briefly at the end, like letting us know they're still out there and he still thinks about them. I don't know. So, so It's so hard to say where they're going to go. It really is. There's so many directions they could go. I don't, I don't see them bringing in like the Morbius, Venom. Good Lord. Uh, I, I don't see them doing that in the not. MCU. I think that is totally a separate Sony thing. And really where they left the character of Peter Parker, they can they can do so much with him because now he is like a lone wolf, you know? Like he can go wherever they need him to go. So you think the next movies will continue to be MCU set? 100%. Yep. Okay. As far as the solo Spider-Man movies, yes. Yep. Like there will still be maybe other cameos and characters from the MCU showing up. Absolutely. Yep. I, I think so. so. Don't you? I hope so. I mean, I don't know what the deals of the agreement are right now between Sony and Disney, but obviously I want Feige to keep steering the ship. Dude, as much money as this movie just made, things are going so well. I cannot imagine either side trying to break this up. Is Holland crazy? Is Holland signed on for another uh, team movie? Or no? Yes, one more MCU movie in his contract, I believe. Uh, one more MCU movie, and then um, I'm sure they're going to re-sign him. I, I've been reading all kinds of stuff about how they're actively developing the next Tom Holland trilogy. You know, so it, it, th- this is going to happen. I There's mean, no dude, question. good for him for not signing yet because now he's gonna he's gonna be getting hey. a nice paycheck from this. I think. It's like the movie King Richard, dude, Venus and Serena or yeah. Serena or whoever it was. You gotta they wait didn't for the sign the Nike deal. Exactly. Dude, I do awesome. have one question, but maybe I'm just stupid, but I didn't understand this either time that I saw the movie. Is the reason that he made his own costume just literally by choice? Like he didn't want to use the Stark one anymore? Or what was the deal with that? Uh, Like what yeah, happened to his other costume? I looked at it like he is his like you know rebirth he's his own man now like he's his own person he he doesn't he's shedding all the complaints that people had which was funny that he's like a mini iron man living in the shadow of tony can i be the next blah 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 i look at it like no 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 i am my own thing now you know what i mean Got it. i'm not going to wear the stark i'm not going to rely on the stark tech that makes sense cuz i was trying to figure out if somehow he lost that suit like through the spell or something but he probably still has it and he's just choosing to not use it, right? I think so. Okay. I, I look at it like he is his own person now. And this is a sign of, this is like kind of his, uh, his representation of being his own thing. He's going to gotcha. make his own costume. I like that. I like Which that. is awesome because that was so many people's complaints. Like we don't want him just to be another Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. So and really they, cool. They sent out Basin. the Iron Spider with a bang in this movie. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Kaysen, real quick, let's talk about the post credit scene. We get Tom Hardy. There were doing... post credit scenes? I tried Sorry, to block them out. <laughs> so Tom Hardy was doing something. Uh, again, I. Dude, I, I know, hate dude. this. I, I have such a strong <laughs> hatred of this, I can't even describe it to you. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't even know what this post credit scene means. Like, it almost indicates to me that Tom Hardy is not going to be in the MCU now. I hope like so. He, they, yeah. they don't want him in there. But they left behind the the symbiote just in case, like what? Like, just in case they want a new Venom in the MCU? I I assume that's the reason, but does that mean if the symbiote attaches to Tom Holland that it's going to be Tom Hardy's stupid voice being like, Oh, Peter. Hey, Peter. <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you doing? I can't even do it. Oh, I can't even yeah. do it. For listen, who gives it all that? Who gives a shit about any of this? All I got to say is this: this is the only thing I care about talking about. What is Tom Hardy doing? I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't understand the character of Eddie Brock. In the original Venom, he was drunkish. In Venom, Let There Be Carnage, he was plastered, like the whole movie. Like, he was just sauced off his mind. Yeah. In this scene, it's like he's he's on too many meds, dude. Something is up with this guy. I know it's not literally Tom Hardy on drugs, but it's like every portrayal of this character just gets more and more weird and buffoonish to where I can't even keep track of like what he's trying to do. Yeah, man, it's terrible. I mean, I want it to stay as far away from the MCU as humanly possible. <laughs> so I, I think know. in its own world, it's kind of ch- like it, there's some charm to it. I, I don't insane? mind the Eddie. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind. It. I'm just saying, but I agree with you. Keep it away from the MCU for the love of God. Like keep it in its own, keep it contained, dude. Like you would contain the symbiote. You know what I mean? Dude, I hope the symbiote attaches to Tom Holland, but when it's on him, they let like him do the voice of the venom. So it's just, like, oh. let him do like his British accent or something. It's just like, oh, hey, governor, oh. like I'm venom. How's it going there, Peter? It's the voice of Gilbert Godfrey. Hey. <laughs> It's the voice of Joy Behar from The View. They should let uh, Defoe voice it. <laughs> oh, oh, Peter. <laughs> um. Anyway, anyway, that uh, sucks. Let's move on to the trailer for we, Doctor Strange. Too. Let's move on to the trailer for Multiverse of Madness, dude. This was surprising. We got this good of a look at this thing. I was not expecting this much footage. It, dude, to me, this looked awesome. It looked like how I wanted it to look. We got a lot of fun teases. Seeing Scarlet Witch on the oh. big screen. Oh my gosh, dude. Man. The theater. Yes. I, oh. Go ahead. I was going to say, what made me so happy is that, like, she legitimately got a similar reaction to Toby and Andrew. I mean, when they yes. showed her the first time, my theater went off, dude. They were like, yes. Oh, it was awesome. It's insane, dude. I can't believe the impact WandaVision had just on like such a huge cultural like moment of a show. It just really, really was on everybody's minds. And the fact that they totally like reinvigorated people's interest in this character, when she shows up in Multiverse of Madness, forget about it, dude. The first time we see that costume, oh my gosh. I know. People are going to flip. People are going to go crazy. I can't wait. And we're getting the dark Doctor Strange from What If. That's very exciting. Very exciting. That is exciting. I assume it is going to be something where you really don't need to have seen the show at all. Don't you agree? No, no, no. Uh, Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, but it's cool. It's cool. It looks good, dude. You tell four is coming back. Yeah, with the dreads, man. I hope they let Raimi be weird, you know? Like, let him kind of lean into his his uh, weirdness, because I think this movie needs it. Do you anyway. think Wanda is the villain of the movie? Or no? The rumors are that she is. Uh, I, I do think she is, yeah. I think she is the villain for a majority of it, and then maybe in the end realizes the error of her ways, which is kind of weird, though, because that was almost the premise of WandaVision. Yeah, that's that's true. They got to put it on the big screen to cement it. Yeah, I don't know. 
We'll see, man. Uh, I can't wait for Multiverse of Madness, so that's going to be fun, and I'm glad we got our first look at it. Kacen, let's... Uh, I'm, I mean, dude, a movie of this magnitude, I'm sure we missed so much stuff, but I had fun talking about it. I feel like we touched on all the highs in, the, in some too. of our complaints. But you want me to go, go over through... the game? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm on it. Um, let's go over the 20 questions in uh, our boy, once again, Tyler Penn. Congratulations. Here were our 20 questions, and we're going to give you the answers. All right. You want me to go? I'll let you. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. You read them off. All right. So our first eight questions were just, will the following actors appear in original scenes filmed for this movie? So this does not include flashbacks. No Uh, flashbacks. And this is actually an interesting one, Keenan, because I'm kind of curious to hear whether or not you think they kind of shorted us on the cameos in this movie, but I'll go through. So first up, who do do we Kirsten Dunst, of course, Mary Jane. She did not show up. Emma she Stone. was not in the movie. Well, hold on. She was not in the movie, and I really wish they would have replaced the the Venom uh, post credit scene with her with a post credit scene of Tobey Maguire like blipping back to his world and like seeing him and MJ together would have been awesome. Yeah, welcome back, Tiger. That would have been awesome. <laughs> well, and you'd be like, oh boy, gee, did you make the meatloaf, MJ? She <laughs> oh, you'll never guess what kind of day I had. <laughs> Oh. Man alive, I need a good foot rub. <laughs> I, mean, I need a good back okay. rub. Uh, yeah. All right, we got Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. She did not appear. No Emma Stone. Nope, she's dead. No. She's dead. Topher Grace is old Venom. He was not there, thankfully, but it would have been kind of funny. Um, yes. Tom Hardy is new Venom. He was there in the post credits, unfortunately. Next up was Jill. I mean, he was he was phys- he was physically there. I don't know if he was. Yeah, mentally. he was not mentally there. Next up, we had Jill Hall as Mysterio. He was not in it. He was only in flashbacks at the beginning. This was very disappointing to me. I really wanted to see him. I don't know how you feel, Keenan. Me too. Um, Michael Keaton is the Vulture. Not in it. Disappointingly, I guess he's been spending all of his time filming Morbius and uh, doesn't have time for. Tom Holland anymore, so that's too bad, dude. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna laugh so hard when his only line in that entire movie is the one from the trailer where he's like, <laughs> "Hey, uh, Morbius, me and you should chat sometime." Eh? Yeah, <laughs> it probably is his only line. Um, hey, also, real quick, after rewatching Far From Home, like, I guess I don't know why we think Gyllenhaal is ever coming back because they do pretty much make it clear he is dead. Like they even go as far as to show his body, and and Tom Holland says he's dead. He has no signs of life. <laughs> yeah, that's. So, true. I mean, that's fair. I, I, For as much as we give the MCU crap about never like committing to people's deaths, and now we're like, <laughs> now I'm upset that they're not undoing his death. <laughs> but whatever. Right. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is Nick Fury was not in it, and then Elizabeth nah, Olsen is Wanda. Uh, we did not count this because she was only in a trailer staying at the end. She was not in any actual scenes for the movie. So correct. Sorry. (laughs) Didn't count. Yep. Next question. Will Matt Murdock appear in his daredevil costume? No, the answer was no, he did not. He did not. He appeared in his lawyer costume. Exactly. Will we see miles Morales in this movie? No, we did not, but we did get a reference, which was, uh, pretty good nonetheless um will any of the following characters die aunt may happy mj or ned the answer is yes aunt may obviously died uh we didn't really talk about that scene too much but i do just want to shout it out again Uh, uh, incredible scene like the way they kind of tricked us into thinking she was okay 
Yeah. And then I kept waiting for the punch, dude. Like I, I kept waiting for her to reveal some kind of uh, stab wound or like something lodged in her abdomen. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. It was, it was just, awesome. It was very hard to watch. Yep. Very cool that they kind of kept us guessing like, is she okay? Is she going to die? What's going to happen? Yes. Um, next question. Will someone say the phrase sinister six? Uh, no, no one will say it because there were actually only five villains. What a fake out. Um, wow. that was kind of unexpected. Will someone say uncle Ben? Obviously. Yes. That was said multiple times by the cameos. Will someone say yep. the exact words with great power comes great responsibility. Now we counted this as a yes, because it was said by two different characters back to back who completed the line for each other. So I think that's incredible. Yeah. See, at first I thought we weren't going to count it because aunt may says it, but says it a little different. Right. And apparently she says it the way that the original comic use of it was done. Yes. Correct. Um, will Otto Octavius speak to Dr. Strange? Yes, we did get that. Will green goblin speak to aunt may? Oh, obviously that was a, Dark, yikes! <laughs> dark stuff. And then, will Octavius ultimately help our heroes to fight the rest of the villains? Yes, he did. He single-handedly took out Electro. Um, this next one's kind of tough. Will two or three costumed versions of Spider-Man point at each other at the same time to recreate the pointing meme? I um, love that meme, Kason. Me too. I love it too. Uh, we counted this as a no. Because while they did point at each other when Ned called for Peter Parker, they were not in costume, unfortunately. So, correct, not going to work. Um, next question, which alternate Spider-Man will be shown on screen first? The answer was Andrew Garfield, obviously. And then which of the following will be the first villain to appear on screen? And the answer to that was Green Gob... Or, I'm sorry, the answer to that was Doc Ock, Otto Octavius. He was the first one. Um, Mysterio does not count because it was only a flashback. So those were our 20 questions. And then we did have a tiebreaker. The tiebreaker question was predict the domestic opening weekend box office total to the nearest million dollars. How do you like that? These answers were wild, dude. I got to be honest. When I was looking at some of these people's box office submissions, I was like, what a bunch of dopes. Yeah. Like somebody said 250 million and I'm like, what? And then Kaysen, I don't know if you know how this story ends, but guess who was the real dope? <laughs> the real dope was you, Keenan. What are you going to The do? real dope was me because all these people coming in highballing were exactly right. And dude, nobody said enough money. The highest we got was what? 250? Uh, uh, no, I think some people said more than that. I only, what? yeah, you... I would need to go back through and look, but I believe so. That's crazy, dude. Um, let me check right now, no but I, I do want to give a shout out to our, the person who came closest, uh, which is my good friend Casey. So congrats to Casey Bungie. He nailed it with 250. He actually said 250 million and $1. So very close. Wow, he prices righted that stuff, dude. Keenan, someone said three hundred million. Uh, let me. You're kidding me. Who? What, uh, it was Natalie. Congrats to Natalie. Wow, I feel like Natalie should win a T-shirt just for being that bold and yeah. almost correct. She, Holy crap! She had high hopes for this movie. <laughs> 
Oh, wow, dude. She had panic at the disco for this movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kaysen, that was a fun game. Thank you for everyone playing. Tyler Penn, again, congratulations. Kaysen, there's only one thing left to do in this episode before we say so long and good night. And also, we forgot to say Merry Christmas. It's almost Christmas yeah. when this episode's going to drop. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone out Merry there. Christmas. We're doing some fun stuff. We, we are going to... Uh, drop soon. I don't know when this is dropping. We are going to drop our top 10 most anticipated films of 2022. That's going to be a fun episode to look out for. And obviously we have our top 10 movies of the year coming as well. So look out for all that stuff. How many patients, you know what we didn't even talk about, dude, what we can decide right now. Are we going to do a Hawkeye episode? Oh, I don't know. I kind of want to. I love that show. I feel like we have to. Hawkeye is fantastic. There's a lot to talk about. It's just, it's wrapping up soon uh, in a couple days from when we're recording this. And I guess I haven't even thought about trying to let's, um, record on that. Let's say if he does make it home for Christmas, then we'll do an episode. If he doesn't make it home for Christmas, well, forget about damn, it. Damn. I feel like he's definitely making it home unless Feige wants to really <laughs> rip our hearts out. You never know, dude. After Spider-Man, he's committed to the darkness. Ooh, okay. Sounds good. So maybe look out for a Hawkeye review episode. That's going to be a lot of fun. Kaysen, last thing we got to do on tonight's episode, though, we got to rank this bad boy. We got the definitive ranking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this movie needs a home. What do you think, dude? Dude, this is so hard. This is so, so hard. Should we? Let's just do this. Just so we don't ramble off the entire Let's do the top 10. Well, I I I was going to say. Yeah. Do we both agree this movie's in the top 10? Yes, I do. Okay. Number 10, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Number nine, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Number eight is The Avengers. Number seven, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number six, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number five is Thor Ragnarok. Number four, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Number three, Captain America, Civil War. Number two is Avengers Endgame. And number one is Avengers Infinity War. Kaysen, I'm going to let you go first. Where are you feeling? What are you feeling right now? Where are you feeling like putting Spider-Man No Way Home? Man, this is this is really hard. Partially because I do feel like Guardians to me is a little too high on this list. <laughs> um, what? I don't think it should be above homecoming, but Hey, that was a concession that had to be made. So I'm, I'm feeling out kind of like the five, six, seven spot right now. I do think this movie is definitely better than the original Avengers. So I'm going higher than eight. So I'm kind of deciding around Spider-Man homecoming and guardians of the galaxy. I think this movie is not quite as good as Thor Ragnarok personally. So I would put it between eight and five. I would say probably right above homecoming maybe at number seven below guardians or maybe at number six below thor ragnarok what do you think Kaysen, having not talked about this at all it's actually impressive how often we are on the same page with oh, our ranking okay because i would put this movie in the number seven slot okay i would replace spider-man homecoming and say this is uh, this is better than spider-man homecoming and i know you disagree but underneath guardians of the galaxy Sure. Yeah, I'm totally cool. So, with that. are you comfortable with putting Spider Man No Way Home in the number seven slot on our definitive ranking of the MCU? I love it, dude. It it honestly really hurts me to knock Shang Chi out of the top ten because I love Ooh, that movie. It does. Uh, it does. But that does hurt. It's got to happen. <laughs> 
It's got to happen, man. We got so we're putting Spider-Man No Way Home in the uh number 7 slot. That means we're saying well, yeah, we just read our list. You know what our list is. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I think we're happy with that, Kaysen. We're going to see where, I guess, what's the next movie? Strange, Doctor Strange, Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, yeah. Dude, eventually we'll have enough shows to be able to rank the shows. Hey, I, no that? joke. I was just about to say that. If we do this Hawkeye episode, we're definitely going to rank the five the, shows. Uh, y- Correct. Yep. Because we have a, we've had a solid year of MCU shows on Disney plus we're going to rank them and that'll be a fun time as well. We really have dude. I mean, we can talk about it in the Hawkeye episode, but I am pretty like impressed with the overall quality of these shows in general. It's been great. Definitely. Yeah. They delivered. I think, I mean, we'll talk about it with Hawkeye. I don't want to spend too much time. We're, uh, we're running out of time, Kaysen, <laughs> but it's been a fun episode. I think we talked about a lot of Spider-Man, a lot of big hype, and uh, this movie delivered. Everybody go see it. It seems like everybody's already going to see it. So uh, you <laughs> probably see it a need second my time. encouragement. Yeah. But anyway, everybody stay safe out there. Kaysen, you have anything before we uh, sign off and say Merry Christmas one more time? Uh, No, I think that was uh, as thorough as we could be. And I am really glad this movie delivered. Beautiful. Kaysen, thanks for joining me. I will actually see you soon when yes. we open our presents. Cannot wait. And uh, <laughs> eat some uh, relish trays. It's going to be delicious. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. Good night. Later. Bye-bye.